Hello and welcome to Wine Blast with me, Susie Barry, and my husband and fellow Master of Wine, Peter Richards. It's good of you to be here. <laughs> just, 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 you know, you have managed I like to, to turn, turn up. You have managed to tear yourself away from your sourdough. Oh, I have, I have. <laughs> um, I may still have a bit of dough, sticky dough under my fingernails, yeah. uh, possibly in my hair. Um, it might even be on the ceiling. Mm. Uh, but I am at the moment available for podcasting for at least thirty-five minutes. Great, great. Just, so, just so we know where we stand. You know, uh, we are not going to get it's a bogged limited down. window. We're not going to get bogged bread today, okay? No, I like no, no we really shouldn't. Um, but I'm just, I'm just keen to to establish that you're here and and you're focused on the task at hand. I am. You sound Good. a bit like a school teacher. So, yeah. sir, <laughs> sir, remind me what exactly is the task in hand? Oh, well, yeah, I wasn't expecting that sort of a question. Um, Wine stuff, wine stuff. You know the, the state of our marriage. That sort of, you know. Okay. Know, what do we normally well, I think talk I can, about? I, I think I can just about <laughs> manage that. Um, but you know what? I I have to say one thing that really has struck me recently about this podcast is mm. how it's sort of generated this sense of community, and um, mm. that it's just not. It's not just us waffling on well it is a bit talking non- well it is us talking nonsense yeah. but also we get all this reaction on social media mm. so you feel like it's, it's sort of a two-way thing um, absolutely yeah and people are I don't know emailing questions yeah. and sending responses and sharing their views I mean it's just it's fantastic Fantastic. Yes, I mean, because um, it feels like a one-way thing, doesn't it, when we're sitting here recording in our back It room. does. But actually, it is, it's, it's a conversation, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, mainly I like to think, well, when people say where they're listening to the podcast, that's what yeah. I find so yeah, nice, intriguing. Mm. Because, you know, it could be on their walk or their run, um, in the car or, or doing jobs or actually even wine jobs. You know, yeah, some people talked them, about yeah. um, pruning, did they not? Mm-hmm. And stacking wine bottles, I think, was one of them as well. And and, and it, almost now we say it, it's, it's an interesting thought, you know, do yeah. Do we, when it comes to jobs or yeah. people listening doing other things, you know, do do we help or do we hinder? Oh, you know, do we oh, do we don't go there? Do we help people? If you're on your run now, are we slowing <laughs> you down or are we speeding you up? I don't or just know. making you very very thirsty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's true. face it. Um, you know, or you know, or the vineyard theme, which I like. Which we, uh, does it make for better pruning? And better wine, or does it? Does it do the opposite? You know, I think who was it? It was it was Jacob. Jacob, Chort, Jacob Ledley, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think he, he said he, he was listening while he was pruning, which is wonderful. Thank yeah. you. It's wonderful to keep you company, Jacob, while you're pruning. But you know, he did actually. Now I remember it. He said I'd made him angry. I think by saying that Gewurztraminer was my oh. was my was the grape that I hated, or, or my least favourite white grape. Apparently, <laughs> this has got him quite riled, oh, and it just Jacob. made me thought. You know, yeah. Maybe, maybe then. Uh, I was responsible for, you know, uh, the wrong cane or the wrong bud or the, or, you know, being 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 done, the, the pruning being done really badly. You know, maybe maybe he hacked a whole vine into pieces that in, in his rage. It wouldn't help. The I don't wine, know, Jacob. It? Tell us, tell us what happened. <laughs> I mean, you're a ruthless professional, so I'm sure it's brilliant. But could we have put you off your pruning? Have we ruined the 2020 <laughs> 19 harvest? 2020 harvest. God, yeah, I can't even yeah. think what year it is. Mm. So um, anyway, I hope we can help rather than hinder. Mm, um, on which note, of course, we've yes. got. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a fascinating show lined up, yes. haven't we? Here we go, back on track. Later on, we will be talking rosé wines with a difference, mm-hmm. featuring a couple of English pinks, keeping mm-hmm. things super local, mm-hmm. and, wait for it, drum roll, the debut wine release by Kylie Minogue, which could well prove controversial, I think. Shall we say no more? I think I think we'll keep our powder dry on that one because that's coming a bit later up, isn't it? But, but um, you know, I love, I do love a bit of rosé chat. You know, almost almost as much as I love rosé, I think, and that's saying quite a, quite a bit because I think we I think we're both. It's very safe safe to say, if I can actually say it properly, <laughs> that we're both it. we're both massive rosé fans, aren't we? We are. We, we think are. it's quite sort of. Um, 
underestimated, I suppose. Maybe yeah, misunderstood. Uh, not by everybody, not by everybody. But um, I think, you know, hardened Rosé fans are Rosé fans. Was it, was it George W. Bush who said it misunderestimated? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite a good word, actually. Anyway, that's Rosé. Rosé's misunderestimated. Um, but before that, before we come on to Rosé, breathe, we're going to have a really interesting uh, interview, aren't we? We've we got are. a chat with hotelier and wine lover, Robin Hudson. We have indeed. Mm. Robin uh, Robin is currently the chairman and CEO of the Pig Hotels and Limewood Group and famously the man who originally set up Hotel Duvan along mm. with them um, with Gerard Basset who of course very sadly died last year. Now Robin has been a prominent and an outspoken champion of the hospitality industry since the beginning of the coronavirus lockdown. Mm. And it's something that is very much at the right at the moment in the press mm. um, because the Country's starting to ease its lockdown restrictions, but many, um, I think, hoteliers, landlords, mm. restaurant restaurateurs, mm. including Robin, are saying, you know, if it's not done right, if it's done too fast or not fast enough, it could have massively negative implications with with huge amounts of businesses and indeed, well, jobs on the line. Mm. Um, Robin, mm. Robin mentioned upwards of three million yeah. jobs. I mean, it's 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 That's quite a lot, isn't shocking, it? isn't it? It's yeah. quite arresting. It makes you sit up and take notice. Yeah. Um, and I think he's in the thick of this national debate at the moment, isn't yeah, he? Pretty Which is why it's a well. fascinating time to talk to him. And I think he's, you know, had some controversy surrounding him. I mm-hmm. think that's fair to say. And we do touch on that in, in the interview, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you spoke to him via the magic of Zoom, you, you did what you always do, I noted. Which is <laughs> to start, start at the beginning, which is with wine. Wine, um, of course. <laughs> always talk about wine. Um, but in this case, it's particularly relevant, isn't it? Because, um, not just because he's a massive wine lover, but also because the Pig Estate now has a brand new vineyard, doesn't it? It does indeed. Two mm, acres. Exciting. Two acres have been planted. Which is not super big, but it, it's, it's a It's not super big, but, you know, I, I, I think that's probably wise. Um, you know, it's a lovely little start. It's it's a new site. It was one of the new sites in Maidhurst, West Sussex, which will soon be the Pig in the South Downs. Mm. Uh, it's on a good south-facing site. Um, actually, do you, know, do you know what the field used to be used for? I don't know. What does one use a south-facing site in the South Downs for? No. Well, come on, grazing alpacas. <laughs> Seriously. Alpacas. That alpacas. sounds very South Downsy, actually. It's almost it? a shame it's not alpacas anymore, isn't it? But we're happy to see vines. I hope the alpacas are still okay. Can we say, can we say we I hope, think they've been moved safely. We hope that no alpacas were harmed in the, in the no, making I of this think, video. No, I think I not. I think not. Anyway, the team, at the, the pig, etc., mm-hmm. has been quite tight-lipped about the kind of wine that mm-hmm. they, they're going to be making. Mm-hmm. But what was exciting was Robin did open up a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started by asking him why, why he decided to plant a vineyard. The last thing I've ever, ever wanted to do is to have some sort of cookie cutter approach to our hotels. So although they sit under the pig brand and ethos of the kitchen garden, we try to we try to come up with some new ideas, really, in, in each property. And so uh, we've got about, uh, I think it's 25 acres or something there, which is all pasture. And we will have sheep there for sure. And there, But there was a, a small sort of perfectly formed two acre field right directly in front of the main elevation of the of the hotel where the where the restaurant will be and you know like you I'm sure I've always loved those uh, cellar door kind of operations in in Australia and California and so on where you sit eating um, uh, lovely fresh food looking down over over vineyards and I started thinking about it and 
uh, obviously there's a huge amount of fantastic wines in uh, in uh, Hampshire and, and and Sussex but I was very inspired by um, the wines that I've got to to know and love from Kent from the wine garden of England in in, in Kent and specifically the still wines that that are being created uh, over there I, you know I had always rather poo-pooed any English uh, red wines uh, and really I was not a fan generally of of the very astringent um, uh, uh, white still wines of the past from from the UK but there's some really really interesting things being done and I was inspired particularly by Charles Simpson at uh, Simpson's estate who has made some outstanding still wines um, from the champagne grape varieties and it's not just him. They're also, as you know, doing the same thing at, at Chapel Down and Gusbourne and, 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 and other vineyards uh, in Kent. And so I thought, well, there's so much great sparkling wine. Why don't we have a crack at seeing if we could uh, grow, um, grow some vines for, for still, uh, still wine production? So, so is that your is that your plan? I mean, you've planted Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, which are obviously the, the the sparkling grape varieties traditionally, but obviously they can be made into still wine. Is your plan to to do still wine? Are you slightly hedging your bet, thinking, well, maybe sparkling, maybe still? No, I I, I want to I want to produce still wine. Uh, it's going to be a small production. I mean, uh, the chances are it'll be five thousand bottles or something. You know, it's not it's not a huge uh, uh, huge site. Um, and I think we could have quite a lot of fun. Um, I mean, the other day I was tasting um, the Hush Heath Still Pinot Meunier, and, which I thought was was outstanding. Which was something their their winemaker had sort of made off piste, as it were. And so, and I think I I just think you know that that's that's really interesting. But you're absolutely right. I'm hedging, although they're you know they're they're good Burgundian clones that we've. Uh, and don't ask me the numbers. No, I wouldn't but, dream of it. <laughs> but, you know, if all goes uh, horribly wrong, um, then we could potentially fall back on some kind of sparkling wine production as well. So so I guess, yes, we are hedging our bets. I mean, we're amateurs in this. Just, just shifting slightly. Um, to what's happening right now in terms of the current situation with the coronavirus pandemic you you yourself have been quite vocal in encouraging the government to support the hospitality industry can you just tell us a little bit about what you have been doing yeah i mean you know a lot of people have been doing a lot of amazing work to to lobby uh, uh, the government to help them really you know make the right decisions i mean uh, this is uncharted territory for everyone. Uh, uh, it certainly is for us. And, and, and actually, uh, despite, I'm sure, some kind of pandemic planning that goes on in, in government, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone really for, uh, foresaw this particular situation. So why would they know the nuances uh, that really, you know, affect uh, hospitality, of course, uh, you know they're 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 learning, that, and and I assume learning about every sector, every day at the moment, and and what what makes the difference. They came in very quickly, obviously, with uh, with the furlough scheme and uh, and the other uh, measures to delay payments into uh, into the treasury, which was really helpful, and that was that was super super important right at that moment. Uh, you know that everyone could breathe because. For a few days, we sat there thinking, 
are we going to have to make mass redundancies or you know or what really um uh, but that that scheme which has been generous um uh, and really useful and, and and has given everyone time to think of course and, and and plan a little bit more the problem really comes that of course it unfolds a little more um and we learn a little more every day every week um and what seemed relevant a, a, a week ago now seems out of date and so it's a very sort of fast moving and it has been right from the start you know right from the first week before we closed down for my part um there were a lot of london restaurateurs and hoteliers lobbying with their particular section of of, of hospitality in mind and i really felt that rural hospitality and specifically seasonal hospitality didn't have much of a, a voice and so i wasn't planning to start any sort of big movement or anything like that and uh, but i decided to write to the prime minister i mean that's my prerogative to do that and then i just sent the draft letter to a bunch of hotelier mates everyone outside london so you know there were pubs and small restaurants and hotel groups and so on so i i sent this draft and i said would you like me to uh, add your name as a supporter on on the bottom of this yeah and a few of them came back with with uh, some suggestions for the letter which i incorporated or or didn't because it was my letter and uh, but anyway within 24 hours i had names you know the likes of rick stein and uh, uh, people like that that that, that added, added certainly some weight to to the letter but we actually represented something like 20,000 um employees by the time it got sent what do you want them to do some of the elements really have 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 um either events have overtaken or uh have been incorporated so um we have now had confirmed that uh, furlough will be extended until October. Just on that note, note, Robin, just the furlough. I know it's been it's been a kind of difficult time for you professionally, um, given that you've had there was quite a lot of criticism um, initially of the furlough scheme and of the pig restaurant, the Limewood Group, largely because of Jim Ratcliffe, one of your biggest investors, one of the wealthiest men men in Britain. So people were criticising the the groups in general for taking the furlough scheme. How did you cope with that, and what was your response to to your critics? There isn't there isn't a, a hotel in the country that doesn't have some sort of investment behind behind it. They're they're, uh, they're very capital intensive businesses, and uh, there are very few <laughs> wealthy individuals that are also hoteliers. I might well have chosen to to created this current business with a. Uh, some sort of other venture capital organization behind that would have been anonymous uh, but may well have included individuals uh, such as Jim. The fact is that Jim has a profile because he's a very rich uh, man and controls a lot of business. Um, he absolutely does not get involved in any aspect of the business. He's he's like a, a sleeping partner really for, for the business. Supportive absolutely of everything we do but he doesn't make the day-to-day decisions. And, you know, he has a very big uh, business to run uh, in the form of Ineos. Uh, within Ineos, he has not taken a penny of furlough from the government. And that's, you know, 
tens of thousands of employees throughout the world, when I say furlough or other government's version of furlough throughout the world. He has uh, he opened a factory in 10 days to produce sanitizer for the NHS that he hasn't charged that anyone for 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 doing and provided all of that free of charge along with a lot of ppe uh, as well you know i think um, he nobody knows it but he created a small charitable small <laughs> um he he created a, a charitable fund for small charities just to help and only last week i was able to provide um uh, an end of life a double bed for um, for partners to be with their their uh, dying um, uh, with their dying partners um, for Winchester Hospital here. You know, uh, I think it's it's uh, it's fashionable to to um, to knock some of the wealthy uh, in our society, but um, uh, but I think there are there are many many sides to that and. and so as far as the hotels are concerned, uh, he yes, he is a financial backer of the hotels, as am I and, uh, and a couple of others as well. But um, we, uh, we have taken the opportunity of, of um, uh, accepting the furlough rather than making a lot of people redundant. That would have been the, the alternative. We have also taken on a, a good amount of extra debt, and we have also looked after a lot of staff that would have fallen foul of the furlough rules. You know, I I think we have been uh, very fair in our approach um, uh, to, to this. There's no, there's no, as I say, there's no blueprint for this. You you know, you you sort of make it up as you go along. Um, I do think that as far as criticism of, of Jim in this is, is deeply unfair. So moving forward, how could and should restaurants, in your opinion, and hotels reopen? How can it happen? The, the big thing at the moment, I think the one single element that we are asking for that could make a huge difference is the adoption of a, a one metre distancing versus a two metre distancing. It sounds like a trivial matter sorry you were going to say no it's because the world health organization are are saying that that one is a, an acceptable amount whereas the uk seems to be sticking to this two meter rule yeah. and uh, the world world health organization who you know have their own scientists after all um have always said one meter around the world there are versions of it there's one and a half meter i think in germany i think it is um i heard the other day that the difference between one meter and two meters was the difference between one and a half people in a thousand catching the virus to three people in a thousand catching the virus now obviously first and foremost we want to keep everyone safe and well and, and that goes for absolutely for our staff as well as well as our guests so i wouldn't countenance any anything that would put that in jeopardy but equally you know the economy does need to get moving and uh, you know the country cannot afford this situation at infinitum so if with 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 good management and governance we could um, we could adopt a one meter rule still observing the absolute highest over and above um, uh, standards of sanitization and uh, and hygiene 
um, then that would make a massive, massive difference to every hospitality business, uh, you know, in the in the country. And we're talking about, you know, three million people employed in hospitality, and a further two and a half million dependent on it. And so it's a lot of people we're talking about. So it does need to get moving. But and it would it would just allow that those extra covers that would make a business financially sustainable. I mean, it's it, it's so fundamental. If if you take a a restaurant with a hundred covers needs to run with 80 of them full pretty much to, to actually be above the break even line. Um, with two meter distancing, you're probably running with 30 covers or 40 covers. And in any event, you know, with people passing around and so, I mean, it's just kind of impossible to, 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 to really uh, sustain two meters throughout. And, you know, you think about, two meters in a kitchen, you know, kitchens tend to be quite small. People are passing each other all the time. And our hotels are old historic buildings. You know, sometimes the corridors are, are not straightforward. They're, you know, they're, they've got all sorts of narrow bits and corners and, and so on. And very, very difficult to, to genuinely, I mean, maintain two meter distancing. So the, the difference between two meter and one meter is the difference between profit and loss. I've got a final question, and it is obviously to do with wine. What would be your ideal quarantine wine? And it can't be one that you have a commercial interest in. I mean, I always say my, my deathbed wine um, would, uh, would be a 1982 Pichon Lalande. Uh, it has a special, um, I mean, obviously uh, one of the, uh, the vintages of, of of the last century and still in good shape actually. And when we when we opened Hotel de Van, um, Gerard and I had a very limited budget to 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 fill the cellar. Uh, so when it you know we'd spent every penny that we had on uh, and and uh, mortgaged and hawked everything we we could. And um, so I gave Gerard his budget for the cellar, and he said, "Well, I can't fill the cellar on that. That's ridiculous," you know. So. Anyway, we, we, we blagged as much wine as we could from, from, from people. And it's still, the, the list still, looked, you know, really not very good. So we both decided we had a few of our own bottles that we would put in to pad out the, the wine list and make it look a bit better. But we had like twos and threes and, you know, but it didn't matter because it had references on the list. Anyway, I had, a, I had bought a case of 82 Pichon and I had a few... Uh, you know, some bottles left. I think I had a half a dozen bottles left. So I, I, um, I put four of those on the list. But we were so rubbish at you know understanding pricing and uh, so on. We put them on the list for less than you could actually buy them. You know, from from a merchant. And so by the end of the first week, I was somewhat disappointed that every single bottle had been bought by keen-eyed uh, wine enthusiasts, of course. So when we sold Hotel de Van, I bought myself a, uh, a new case of 82 Pichon, of which I still have some. So I always say, so it's got a nice story to it. And, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty special wine. Robin Hudson, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Now, I can't think of the pig without drooling slightly. I know and you what know you're going to say. I know exactly and what I have you're going to say. But, you know, it's all about the Brock eggs, isn't it? That amazing take on the Scotch egg, which is There's just... There's tiny oh, little Brock word. eggs. And also the oh. Bloody Marys. The Bloody Marys just get me every single time, <laughs> you know, on Sunday lunch or whatever. But the, what got me was, you know, we went to the pig at Brockenhurst all those years yeah, ago, first time. They had that trolley with like 20 different bottles of vodka. And they said, <laughs> how do you want your Bloody Mary, sir? You know, here are some bottles <laughs> of vodka you can choose. It... And he was like, oh, my God, this is blowing my mind this is just absolutely I don't, I don't think I ever got my drink did I no and, and you certainly <laughs> didn't get much so conversation long. that day so, but and then the fact and also the fact that do you remember when we went to the, the pig on the beach uh and, and they they put a dash of tawny ports in my bloody mouth oh, and that really did God, that was just yeah oh yeah. my goodness it was just oh, oh do you know it'd be yeah. so nice won't it to get back to eating out again yeah, I mean, yeah, oh really yeah. I mean not all the time but just occasionally for a treat yeah, yeah, um yeah. but obviously mm. We, well, we, the industry, have got to make sure that these places are safe and can be commercially viable, which I think mm, is, mm. is really what Robin's driving at, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and but that's the tension, isn't it? You know, we need things to be safe. We need people to be safe. We need staff to be safe. But at the same time, we all desperately want to get back out and the economy needs to get back going. And there's so many jobs at stake in the hospitality sector. Yeah, and, and they can't run on, on you know, very, very few covers. It just doesn't well, work. Well, that is very interesting to hear, isn't it? A restaurant yeah. hotelier's perspective on what makes things viable. But, yeah. you know, it, what it does remind me is, is of, do you remember what Michael Baum, Baum said in, in our episode on Breaking Burgundy? Um, he said he didn't really agree with lockdown because he thought it would be yeah. harder to come out of it than to go into it. Yeah, no, he And I think that's he? what we're sort of confronting now isn't mm. it you know it's it's especially for a few key sectors like what um you know travel obviously yeah uh events yes but, yeah, but, but, yeah. but within all of this hospitality yeah 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 and i mean the figures that that robin is quoting i mean three to six million jobs I mean, it's, it's, great, yeah. it's huge yeah. i mean yeah anyway th- to be honest the whole interview was fascinating mm. um we chatted for quite a long time uh, as you know yeah i, I do know <laughs> yeah i was locked out of the office for, oh, for... i just i mean he's he's just really interesting to listen to yeah, he, he yeah. just is mm-hmm. um we discuss things like um i don't know how the pig and lime whatever came about you know the, the dj competition that they're yeah, doing yeah. the smoked and uncut yeah, um, i mean festivals their festivals in yeah. general mm-hmm. and also actually their involvement in the uh, the treat our nhs campaign oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the, what they're doing is they're giving away all their rooms and dinner mm-hmm. to any nhs staff who are nominated by the general public and care workers as well and care it? workers yeah. nhs staff care workers yeah. And that, that that will be the night before they reopen, which has mm. just been announced. They're hoping that will be the fourth of July. Oh, really? So uh, so everybody can okay, nominate, and they've had already eight thousand nominations. That's amazing. It's incredible. Well, um, yeah, but well, well deserved. You know, obviously, fingers crossed. We can we can shoot for that date, and that's going to be yeah. early July. Is going to be a sort of step forward in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean everyone needs just it. Yeah. Don't they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. So I, what I think is maybe maybe there's an opportunity here. You know, maybe we can put it up on the site, the whole thing, the extended version. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you know, so. Let us know. If there's if you'd be interested in hearing that whole interview, let us know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and we'll stick it all up on the site, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, but for now, yeah. we promised our lovely listeners some rosé chat, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, well, let's face it, um, <laughs> there's not much that can keep us from a good glass of rosé. There we go. question is, though, we want to feature good rosé. Are these good rosés? We've got three bottles in front of us. We have. You know, are they good? What are they? What are they? Who are they? Okay, well, so come on. Yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. I mean, the great thing these days is, though, there is pretty much a rosé out there for everyone, isn't there? Do you think um, so? I, I think, well... 
I seem to remember it's an interesting there was one. probably never going to be one for James Martin, was there? He didn't. He just... <laughs> I've forgotten that. No, he no, did not like. No, but, and I but think we got else. to a certain stage where we, that's the reason why we kept on recommending Rosé because we knew it was going it was to get just James Ruffles. Funny in the end, but actually, yes, yeah. no. But on a serious point, it's because often we think it's the best wine for, for, it's, for a dish. It's so yeah. good with yeah, food, yeah, yeah. and that's why so, it's so under. So what have we got here? Okay, then? so we have got three rosés here. We have got we got the Kylie Minogue Rosé from from the south of France. These are all from 2019 vintage, all fresh. Um, we've also got the Still by Hattingley. Rosé uh, and the Gusborne Cherry Garden Rosé, um, all at different price points, yeah, all different yeah, styles. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, and, and, and I think we've got to start though. <laughs> shall I at kick the beginning. off? Can I, shall I spin around? Well, Kylie? I will, yeah, come on. Oh, God, you've already got. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry. Can I sorry, just request yeah. no puns? Okay, stage, fine. Because I think fine, they've kind fine. of been done. Okay, really. fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So this is this is Kylie's brand new Provence Rosé. Brand new. So launched was brand last week. I mean, thereabouts. I mean, really recent. Really recent. Do we confess to a slight indiscretion when I happened to put something on Instagram before it was launched? Breaking a certain embargo, mm. which I wasn't aware of. I yeah. hasten to add, I wasn't made aware yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And I was informed I needed to take it down because we were all waiting for Kylie's birthday, <laughs> which we now know is the 28th of May. Was that right? 28th of May? I have no Can't idea. Remember. She anyway, was 52. I know but, that. Oh she looks goodness. good on it. How dare you reveal Very, a, very a good on age. it. Anyway, so Kylie Minogue Rosé is in Tesco for £9. Mm. Now, um, this has caused, this has been what I describe as a bit of a, a Marmite launch because, <laughs> because, frankly, some people in the trade think is it fantastic. Others, like mm. Jamie Quitty, for example, in The Times, really clearly thought it was terrible. I personally think it is a perfectly acceptable glass of rosé. It's vaguely Provence in style. It's from the mm-hmm. south of France. Yeah. Uh, it's got a little touch of residual sugar, so it's probably, you know, just softens the edges. And it's just really easy drinking. Not the best wine in the world, but perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we tasted it together and we're tasting it now. It's it's fine. It's okay. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't it doesn't get your heart racing. It's not a wine to. Re- it's it's kind of just ticks the boxes. It's fine. It would slip down nice and easily with your barbecue. It's all okay. Nine pounds Tesco. Fine. You see what they're doing. They get they want to get it out and they mm. want to get people enjoying it. That's fine. And if that's you're your bag, fan, that is cool. But I am <laughs> no. But mainly because uh, you know with wine it's quite simple for me. You know, is this a good wine? Would I recommend it? Is there anything better out there? And for me, there are other, there are better things out there. Okay, fine. Well, I, my my beef with it is not the the wine because I think lots of people um, would be really happy with this. It's a very drinkable rosé. Mm. It's the fact it just got Kylie splashed across the label. <laughs> I simply could not bring myself to put that on the it's table. Like, it's like the bottle's been signed by Kylie, as for if you. she had. Yeah, especially yeah. for Speci- me. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Right. Okay. Anyway, but, no, no, so I mean, that's my bit. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't. Well, the thing is, though, we don't want to come across as, you know, with celeb wines, there's often a kind of, oh, it's a celeb yeah. wine, therefore yeah. it's discounted. We're not like that. No, no. We, we don't do seriously, that. Seriously, there are Because there are some good, really good celeb wines, yeah, but often yeah. they don't tend to put their names on the label, do they? Not, so Sam well, Neill's Two even, Paddocks yeah. is great. Well, you even know. Sarah Jessica Parker, who launched a rosé recently, just put S- hers is SJP. You think it's not quite Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. So, no, but, but, you know, there's other ones that we would Exactly. The other ones we'd recommend, for example, Miraval, the, the Brangelina project. Brangelina. You know, that's done really, really well. It's yeah. actually a really good rosé made it's by a really good, good Perrin family. Yeah. Okay, it's it's a bit more expensive, but the studio by Miraval, the sort of new, cheaper one they brought yeah. out, is only about 20, 12 quid. It looks really cool. Yeah. And you no problem having that in your so, table. So that's, that's studio by Miraval. It's, mm. it's not their, their top end one, quid, but it's about it? 12 pounds. Yeah. There's also the, the Graham Norton, um, which is on offer yeah, at the moment yeah. at seven pounds. That's a New Zealand Pinot Noir rosé, yeah, yeah. which is pretty good. Again, it doesn't actually... Well, it has Graham's signature on the bottle, but not... Oh, hang on, hang on. So you're all right with Graham's signature, but you're not all right with Kylie's signature. It's not just the only thing you see on the label. Double standards. 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, let's yeah. move on to England. Come on. Sure, but I think the one thing is, you know, Provence rosé, we love. Not yeah. It's not for everyone because it does tend to be quite a dry style. And this is maybe where I reacted against the Kylie one. You know what you're getting with the Provence style. It's dry, it's foodie, you have it with your food. And this is not a dry. No, it, it's got a little it bit of sweetness to it. does South of France as opposed to oh, Provence. Okay, so, enough. you know, they're, they're, mm, not, yeah. they're, not, they're aiming for a little bit broader. But there are, I think there are good classic Provence styles out there yeah. at around the same price, actually. You know, sure. Morrison's have some good stuff. Morrison's have a really good range Nine of, to ten of pounds. Roses. Same price. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Anyway, yeah. so, right, let's go on to England because that's, that's really <laughs> That's where we get excited. So that, that kind of one's nine pounds. We've got the Still by Hattingley Rosé. It's 2019. So this is 14 pounds. It's 14 pounds. It's Still by Hattingley. I kind of love that name for obviously all the different reasons that they've used it uh, because for now, up till now, they've mostly done, you know, pretty mm. much a sparkling wine producer. And they're just up the road so from is, us. They're, they're up the road from us. This is brand new. It's made from Pinot Noir Precoce, mm. uh, which is a, a, a German clone, early ripening. So it works quite well in the UK. Yeah. This is £14. And it, as we said, it's a 2019 vintage. The only thing that, that's a little bit unusual about this, it's very fresh and, and lovely and drinkable. Is the only thing that's a little bit unusual is the colour. Yeah, it's different, isn't it? It's kind of quite neon. It, it's kind of, you pour it in the glass, you go, wow, yeah, yeah. whoa, this is it's disco. That, it's that little you know. bluey. I mean, it's very <laughs> pale, but it's just got that but I, bluey, I think purpley hint that. To do. Do you think it's. Precoce? Yeah, it's, I think it's to do with, with, with the fact it's Pinot Precoce. Yeah. Um, so Pinot Noir we all know uh, and love, I think. Um, but Pinot Noir Precoce is just an earlier ripening clone of Pinot, which is used quite a lot in the UK because obviously we're a bit cooler, we need earlier ripening things. But I think it's often used for sparkling, isn't it? To make the give the yeah. rosé sparkling the colour. Colour. I mean, it's, it, it is a variety that's got a lot of colour and it's mm. used for colour. Uh, so it's a little bit unusual when you look at it's it. Um, yeah, and you but pour it into your but glass. But you know, you pour it's it and really actually nice. it kind of tastes a bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it tastes zippy and yeah. tangy and it, ooh, it yeah. kind of gets your... It's bright you know, your, your, your mouth-watering. Mouth-watering. It's yeah, yeah. really mouth-watering. So that's a nice style of English rose. It's a bit, a bit different and a bit of a departure for, for Hattingley, which you could see. And then next to we got, we got, got Gusborne in, in, in this glass. and ooh. So Gusborne. Mm. Now we have to say straight away, this is the Cherry Garden Vineyard Rosé. It is mm. a stonkingly good English yeah, rosé. Yeah. 2019 but, vintage. But not cheap. Price tag. It is £25. Oh, punchy. So it looks amazing, as do all Gusborne wines. Their their mm. packaging is fantastic. Mm. And actually that's sorry to interrupt. That's one mm. thing we wanted just to say, isn't it? This this Gusborne looks fantastic. The, the packaging is great. But it's in a really dark bottle. And mm. this is a bit of a geek's point, but we want to make this point because the Kylie and the Still by Hattingley are both in clear glass bottles. And that's dangerous, isn't it? It is from a light struck point of view. So so they can take I mean it's a bit complicated to explain. It's a bit complicated. They can take well, on it, a taint it, from being exposed. Basically, to too much light. if you have wine in clear glass and you leave it either in daylight or under lots of UV light, it can start tasting rubbish. That, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that simple. It's, there's a spoilage thing that happens very, very quickly. Now, I can see why people want to put their rosé in mm. uh, a clear bottle because you want to see the colour. That's the point of rosé yeah, in many, many ways. But, but having said that, risk? you look at the Gusborne... I think that looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, so they've got the they've pink got the on the pink, label. Like a salmon pink to, label. Mm. Beautiful. Anyway, so this is the Cherry Garden yeah, Rosé. It's um, Cherry Garden Vineyard Rosé. It's Pinot Noir 100%, mm. 2019 vintage. What's different about this is the weight of the wine. It's got more mm. intensity of flavour. It's more uh, slightly darker fruits. Um, we found it had a touch of spice. We actually found it went really beautifully with a ribeye steak salad with roasted vegetables yeah i mean we? this was the point we, we taste it's one of those wines you taste and you think okay this is quite serious but you know how good is it so you try it with some serious food and actually it went really well so we all did it with do sourdough with not not to get too stuck back into the sourdough <laughs> Don't with, with ham, it. you you know, ham cheese and tomatoes it was almost yeah. like a and it went well with that too yeah it? so yeah it's it's a love it's a really if you want to 
treat yourself to a really, really top-notch English rosé. Mm. This, and this also, would be great I think it's do. something we would flag up. Rosé as a style for English wine is actually it's got lots of potential. Yeah. And I think try English rosé. It's really lovely, bit different. Yeah. And actually, we were also discussing as a result of this. You know what roses really did light our fire. What 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 roses do light our fire in general? Um, and we would love to ask you that question as well. So. We are probably going to get some stuff out on social media, but please, what's a rosé that really lights your fire? Is it Provence? Is it, I don't know, White Zin? Is it English Fizz? Whatever. Give us your rosé favourites. We'd love to know. Mm. Anyway, that's it from us today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I may well have some sourdough on my horizon. Yeah, I think I've got some rosé on mine, depending on how long you take. <laughs> but whatever is on yours, your horizon, here's raising a glass mm. to you and cheers.